0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors completed the 2020 NBA Draft. And they have added two exciting and experienced guards um, to their roster. At the 29th pick, the Toronto Raptors picked Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State University. That is also the alma mater of Kawhi Leonard. Um... And actually, if you heard the podcast that I did yesterday, I actually just talked about um, the fact that Malachi was one of the people that the Raptors had spoken to in the draft process, and um, I liked this game then, so it's, you know you know, I'm not just saying that now because the Raptors picked him. Uh, and then later on the night, the Raptors used the 59th pick on another player from the Mountain West Conference, uh, and that was Jalen Harris, another 22-year-old guard, Um and I'm going to touch on both players uh, in a second. First off, I want to just touch on the maybe the bigger picture thing which you might think about is like, okay, the Raptors are taking two guards. Does that mean that the Raptors are preparing to lose one of their guards? You know, Fred Van Vliet's heading to free agency. Kyle's an, an expiring contract at this upcoming season. Um, and to my sense, I don't really think so. I mean, first off, Flynn is a point guard. And Harris is a two-guard. So I don't really see that much redundancy. Um, I think backup point guard was a bit of an issue for the Raptors last year anyway. Uh, Considering how much the Raptors played um, guys like Pat McCaw in that position, you know, uh, it's just... The Raptors could use a little bit of depth at point guard, especially since, you know, Fred and Kyle spent a lot of time together, right? You needed that kind of backup point guard. And I think offensively, the Raptors didn't really get what they wanted from that spot. And, um, yeah, and I think, B, the Raptors kind of explicitly said it. Look, they, you know, I know people are worried about Fred. You know, if it's free agency, it's natural to worry about players and wonder what their futures are. Bobby Webster, general manager Bobby Webster, talked to the media on Tuesday and was very, very obvious and explicit essentially in saying that uh, Fred is going to re-sign. He said he feels very confident um, that Fred will be the piece moving forward. And, you know, if you haven't heard of Bobby Webster press conference, you know, I, I like Bobby a lot. I think he's a very smart guy. Um, but, you know, he's also extremely gifted at um, saying nothing in a press conference. It's, it's, it's a skill that a lot of front office executives have, and so when he does say something more emphatic, then you can kind of read into it a little bit more, so I, I'm not too worried about that, I think the Raptors needed some depth in the point guard position in the first place, and I think they've accomplished that, um, and the fact that you part two guards, I, I, I just think that, especially with the 59th pick and the 29th pick, the Raptors aren't really selecting out of need, or even out of some sort of positional construct. Of course, that factors in a little bit. Uh, Obviously, you only have, what, 17 guys on your roster um, with the two ways plus the 15 roster spots. But at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with later picks. And I think the Raptors picked mostly based on who was the best available player on their board at the time. And Flynn and Harris are... Two pretty good players. I mean, I I like them already, obviously, because they're Raptors. But when you dig into the tape of these two guys, it's pretty clear they're both very polished and experienced. Let's start with Malachi Flynn. So, 22-year-old guard. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that the Raptors draft history, at least Masai's draft history, is that they generally don't draft smaller guards, right? The, um, the smallest guard the Raptors have drafted essentially was Favre Van Vliet. I consider him a 61st pick, not just undrafted. But um, aside from that, everyone is like 6'4, 6'5, you know, that, you know, DeLon Wright, Norman Powell, Terrence Davis kind of uh, mold a player. Um,. And, and so, you know, Flynn was maybe a little bit unlikely to go at that position for the Raptors just because of Masai's draft history. But at the same time, I like Flynn's skill set. I think it's very, very clear that he is a very, very good guard. I mean, you know, unequivocally, Flynn was one of the best guards in the NCAA last season. Um, if I were to describe him, you know, he is – there's a lot of Fred Van comparisons here. And even though that is kind of easy to make because – undersized, you know, a winner, defense, point guard, uh, willing to take the big shot, things like that. And, of course, he's now teammates with Fred. Uh, it, it's easy to make that comp. But at the same time, it, it's also not entirely inaccurate because there's a lot of similarities in terms of how they play. Um, one thing, actually, that I, I don't think a lot of people mention is um, how much they win. So, Flint's uh, Aztecs, the San Diego State Aztecs, they went 30-2 and last year. Um, and obviously the NCAA tournament it was canceled because of COVID and everything like that, but uh, they were a really damn good team. They went to the finals of the um, of the conference tournament. I believe they lost. But, um yeah, I mean, that's pretty important. That's also one of the things that really stood out with Fred, and the Raptors really liked Fred about that because, you know, when you look at Wichita State, I mean, Fred basically made that program into... You know what it was in today in terms of just being a, a regular in terms of competing in the NCAA and stuff like that. You know he was a big winner there too, so winning matters. And with uh, with Flynn, you know some of the other things in terms of the similarities. So six one with the six three wingspan, so pretty much exactly like Fred. He is twenty two years old when he got drafted, which is the same age as Fred. Uh, in in Flynn's case, he transferred. To San Diego State, so he had the red shirt the junior year, so he's, he's technically a junior, but he's you know in his fourth year essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of other similarities, Flynn is really, really, um, how would I describe him in the pick and roll? Just like really smooth, uh, and he knows what he's doing, you know. I, 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 I mean, we're talking about very, very young players, generally speaking, at the NCAA level. Um, you know, there's obviously lots of weaknesses, some very, very glaring and obvious weaknesses, um, in most people's games. But when you look at Flynn, he is very, very complete in that sense, very, very comfortable playing the pick and roll. 40% of his possessions last year came out of the pick and roll, which is extremely high. Um, and a couple of things stand out right away. First off, he was a high usage player, but it was also quite efficient, you know, even though he was one. Uh, efficiency in terms of true shooting percentage was fifty nine percent last year, which is quite good. Uh, his usage rate was thirty seven percent, but he only turned the ball over ten percent of his possessions, which is a nice you know ratio to have if you prefer the more like robust kind of traditional assist to turnover ratio. That's a three to one ratio, and, and you know to put that in comparison, Fred. In his final year in Wichita State, his usage rate was 23%, his turnover rate was 12%. So it was actually a worse ratio as compared to Flynn. And Flynn is just, um, he's a very polished pick and roll player. Uh, You know, he's not really quite a scorer necessarily, but he definitely did score a lot. That was a lot of his role for this team. But, you know, he's a bit of a natural playmaker as well. Um, When you watch some of the tape on him, you know, he's a very patient player. Uh, so he'll he'll use the screen. He'll rescreen. Uh, he'll flip the screen. He'll, he'll you know project the screen. Uh, you know he, he plays the pick and roll quite well. And, and what he's really good at doing is eliminating one of the two players out in the play in terms of either the big man or the guard guarding him. And um, you know he's pretty good, especially you know when you when you think of the passing, you you, you might say okay, you know what, he's not necessarily that prolific of a assist. Um, Producer only 5.1 per game. Uh, That's not exceptionally high, but at the same time, you know, when you watch him play, he definitely has a good understanding of how to create um, lanes for, um, you know, the rolling big man to go to the rim. That's largely how they played with the roster they had that year. Don't really didn't really see a lot of pick and pops because I'm assuming they didn't have a three point shooting big man. Um, so that could be a little bit different, but at the same time, you know, he got a—he he has a pretty good tempo to his game. He doesn't really rush it too much. You know, he waits for the play to breathe and develop. And um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, he's—he's he's very polished. When you see him playing the pick and roll, you'll—you'll you'll see what I mean. Um, the where he differs from Fred a little bit, at least especially in the collegiate level, is that Fred, when he was in Wichita State, was not necessarily like a, a all out kind of scorer kind of guy. You know, he was more of a more traditional point guard. Uh, more setting to play up. You know, the pace they played, I was probably a little bit slower as well. But Fred averaged, what, 12.6 points per game um, as, a, as a senior. Flynn is more of a scorer. He averaged 17.6 points last season, uh, shot 50% from uh two-point range, 50.7%, which is quite good. Uh, didn't actually shoot it that much in the two-point range. Uh, shot a lot of threes, hit 37% of his threes. And, um, you know, a couple of things there. I mean, first off, Uh, Flynn was the primary playmaker, the go-to guy and everything like that on his team. So he had to create most of his own offense. He was also the point guard, so he's just going to have the ball a lot, period. And uh, he did a pretty good job of that. Um, You know, if you look at his synergy numbers in terms of, uh, you know, where he shot the ball, uh, you know, where um, he liked to sort of get his offense, um, you know, kind of at all three levels. You know, he, he definitely you know, was willing to shoot the three. The nice thing was, uh, a lot of these synergy breakdowns is that they actually show you, um, how deep some of these threes have been. And, you know, he is, uh, what? 36% on deep straight on threes, you know, 37% from the right wing, 41% from the left wing. It's all very, very good numbers. He got to the mid range. He completed it there. He was better on the left side than he was on the right side of the floor. Um, you know, Which is not too surprising. And he's kind of a, I would say he's more of a 2.5 level scorer. Um, So, you know, the mid range game is there for Flynn, and he goes to it quite often. He had to create a lot off the dribble. To be honest, I don't know how much of that is going to happen in the NBA or with the Raptors, especially, because they just generally don't use that many mid range uh, shots. I mean, you know, Pascal gets it, Kyle gets it, but that's like star treatment calls or star treatment shot diets probably not going to get that for Flynn right away as a rookie, but you know, he has it there. If you, and I think it's pretty experienced, you know, in terms of as a pull-up shooter, he's real solid on that front. Um, and yeah, the three point shot is there for him. I think the three, especially for undersized guard is absolutely vital. If you have the three that opens up so much more of the game for you. And I think the fact that, you know, Flynn is a very, very capable pull-up shooter. If you drop defense on him, he will pull up. Um, you go onto the screen, he will pull up. And that threat right there creates a lot of openings for the rest of his team in terms of, you know, uh, he, obviously if he's left open, he will shoot the shot. He will hit the shot. Um, he will pull up. But if defenses sort of came towards him, if they sort of trapped, they're more aggressive. They came out to the perimeter. He was pretty good at finding the role, man. There's a lot of clips out there of him f- honestly finding very creative angles to get the ball inside. Um of course, the Raptors don't really have a natural role, man, right now, so that's a bit of a concern, but, you know, if the Raptors compare him with someone like that, that would be nice. Um But, you know, Flynn's also pretty capable in terms of, yeah, if you know what, if the defense drops and the guard does a good job pushing, uh, you know, running over the top and running him off the three-point line, then he gets get into the mid-range area, as I mentioned, he can shoot from there, and he's got a pretty good mid-range shot, but what I really like, he has a, he's got a floater. So he shot 44% on floaters, which, generally speaking, a floater is not necessarily a very efficient shot. It's very hard for people to shoot a very high percentage on um, on floaters. But, uh, you know, he did pretty good on that front. Um, you know, he uh, 44% is, is not bad. And, again, for a smaller guard, to have that in-between kind of counters, things like that, it's very important because... When he does get to the rim, he's not bad. He shot 56% from the rim, which is good. Um, not great, but it's it's good. It's acceptable, especially for a smaller guard. The thing is, he doesn't really get there that much. So over the course of the entire season last year in college, Flynn only got to the rim 70 to, uh, for 70 field goal attempts uh, made. So, you know, it's not particularly surprising. He is pretty clever. He's pretty shifty. You know, he can create separation. He can trick defense and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's one. And he's got a 6 three wingspan. He's not explosively athletic, so it's gonna be difficult for him to get to the rim. Luckily, he has a lot of the other school tools, and he is quite polished. So um he knows how to get a shot. He, he you know, he knows how to create a pass, especially for his rolling big man. He's real solid on that front. I mean, if you look at things like again, his synergy numbers at pick and roll last year, he was one point zero six points per play in the pick and roll, and that was ninety-six percentile across all of the NCAA. Uh, in terms of playmakers, and that was 40% of his possessions was pick and roll. So we're getting a guy who definitely knows what he's doing in the pick and roll. Um, Oddly enough, he didn't really spot up that much, which I guess is not that surprising given the fact that he had so many, you know, half-court playmaking responsibilities that, you know, he's probably not going to be off the ball as much. With the Raptors, you know, the Raptors obviously play two guards a lot, so he's going to have to learn how to spot up a little bit more. To me, having seen the possessions out there, and there was, what, 81 possessions of him spotting up last season, so it's not that much, but looking at it, it's nothing like, it's not, I don't know, it doesn't, it's not like he struggles with it, I mean, it's the same shot that he takes as when he pulls up, so he seems fine, I mean, he hit it at a pretty decent rate, too, he hit 40.5% um, uh, on spot-ups for an effective field goal percentage of 57.4%, so, you know, Solid spot-up shooter. Just didn't do it that much. Obviously, with the Raptors, he's going to have to learn how to play off the ball a little bit more. But I don't really see that much of an issue with it. Um, and then the other thing to like about him is just um, he's really tenacious defensively. Um, this is something that's sort of come out more this season. But he won, uh, A, he won Mountain, um, he he won the Mountain Division, um, you know, Player of the Year award, the Mountain West uh, Conference Player of the Year award. He also won the Mountain West Defensive uh, Player of the Year award, which is really rare and actually a fun little trivia. I mean, this is not fun for anybody, really, but it's also two thirty a.m. and I've done a lot of research. Um, but he was the first player to win the Mountain West uh, Conference Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year since Xavier Thames, who, if you obviously remember was the 59th pick that the Raptors took in 2014. Um, of course, everyone remembers Xavier Thames, right? Of course. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, uh, odd little quirk there. But, um, yeah, I mean, Flynn clearly was pretty good last year, man. I mean, again, he was one of the best guards in the in, in the NCAA. He was starting into, two. And the thing is, defensively, he's also quite, um, quite good. I mean, it's going to be tough for him to um guard many other positions other than point guard uh you know he's six foot one unlike Kyle and Fred and obviously there's a lot of comparisons but unlike those guys he's not stocky like those guys are like Fred's a stocky dude um you know he's he's got some you know uh girth to him I guess and uh, Kyle obviously definitely he's Kyle's a tick boy but um not the quite not quite the same for Flynn. He's a little bit more. He's not slender. He's pretty strong too. But he, I think he would need to add a little bit of strength. I think comfortably you would want him to guard some twos as well. Um, but you know, in terms of the fundamentals and things like that, he looks really solid. Uh, One point eight steals last season. Uh, you know, what was actually really interesting. Was I was um, doing some research on the guy, and apparently opponents. Going up against Flynn, only shot 34.5% against him, which is really damn impressive considering he's 6'1". So, you're holding a guy to 34% shooting. Uh, That's pretty damn good. And, you know, one thing I do like about him is when you are small, you have to sort of play bigger than your size, use things to your advantage. One thing I really enjoy about Fred and Kyle is that they're such good help defenders. So... You know, maybe it's not necessarily their man has the ball, but they stay engaged and active in the play. And how many times do you see Kyle Lowry stepping in for charges or Fred? You know, uh, you know, someone throws the ball into the post, point guard, you know, clears out, goes along the baseline, and Fred instead of going with the point guard all the way to the baseline, you know, tracks with him to the baseline, uh, and instead of doing starting to the corner, you know, staying in a blind spot and then sort of picking. Uh, the ball and surprising them with the double team. Flynn does a lot of that similar kind of stuff. So definitely good instincts. You know, I, I always like players who um feels like there's a multiple, there's, there's like a multitude of defenders. There's like straight up just bad defenders who can't guard their man, doesn't guard off the ball. Then there's guys who can focus on their man, but doesn't really do much off the ball. I guess Norm was kind of like that. And then um, guys that can, A, guard their man, but also, B, manage to stay involved in so many possessions. And I do feel like Flynn has that appetite and that ability. So I'm pretty happy with the Flynn pick. Um, I think the Raptors, they had a couple other options they could have gone to. Guys that I mentioned previously on this podcast, you know, Desmond Bain, he went 35th. Um, you know, there's some other guys. You know, Xavier Tillman, you know, was was available there too. So there's a, you know, the the draft did produce a lot of guys in the middle that ended up going in the middle. There was not too many like reaches in the top of the draft, but um, but I'm I'm happy with Flynn. I'm pretty confident he's going to be a good NBA player. Um, you know, you, you could say he's limited upside. You know, obviously the size is a factor. Maybe some redundancy at the point guard position, but. I like, his, I like his game, man. And, again, you can't really go wrong with picking one of the best players in the NCAA last year. I think he's very polished. I think he's very experienced. And I think learning from guys like Fred and Kyle. Like the, I don't think Fred's career plays out nearly as good as it does without Kyle there. I mean, I think Fred will still be successful because Fred is a smart guy, accomplished. You know, He trained really well before coming to the Raptors. But I think him playing with Kyle, picking up so many of these things, you know, having Kyle take him under his wing is great. Now you put Flynn into that system, you plug that in, and you know somewhere down the line, Flynn becomes one of the more prominent players, and he's learned from some of the best to you know do it in the game, and that sort of archetype and that sort of body type. So, pretty happy with Flynn. I'm excited to see what we get from him. Um, one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. The other pick that the Raptors made was Jalen Harris at uh, the 59th pick. So Jalen Harris is another 22-year-old, um, also from the, the Mountain West division. So the Raptors really were looking out there uh, this year. And actually, interestingly, um, in terms of the the Mountain West uh, Conference uh, first team, um, you know, Harris and Flynn were the backcourt <laughs> for the first team. So, um that's, that's good, I guess, if you really want to corner the talent out of the, you know, Northwest, I guess. Um, but, yeah, really, um, you know, it, Harris is interesting, especially for a 59th pick. I think he's pretty interesting. Um, you know, first off, Harris, definitely a very good scorer. Um, you know, I think the, the term three-level scorer gets thrown around so much. Um, that being a guy who can score uh, both at the rim... Both in the mid range and at the three point line, but I really do think that Harris is one of those guys. Um, and that right off the bat, if you can score those three levels, um, I mean, for the 59th pick, you're already, you're, I feel like you're already kind of winning in that front. But, um, you know, Harris does a lot of good things offensively, um, and he's pretty capable. Like the fact that he shot 90, he, he scored um, 0.98 points per. Uh, play off the dribble is is really impressive, man. I mean, off the dribble shots are pretty difficult. I mean, they're be the most difficult shots in the game. Essentially, uh, Harris definitely has that, you know. And when you watch him sort of play the, you know, and, and the film, he's kind of got a lot of what you would want out of a shooting guard. Now, the weird thing is he doesn't play much off the ball, but I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But you know, as a six five guard, you know, six foot to seven, seven and a half kind of wingspan, got good size for the two guard position. And, um, you know, he brings a lot of sk- tools. I think he brings a lot of tools. When you watch the game, the tape, again, another guy who's pretty skilled. I would say Malachi is a little bit more smooth in the sense that he does score. And he does run, pick, and rolls, you know, a lot of times to score. But, you know, he kind of, like, picks you apart. He kind of, like, you know, um, reads what the defense is doing and then adapts. Because his game is so well-rounded, he can still hurt you. Whereas with Flynn, he's more of an out-and-out scorer. So he's more aggressive. We'll get to the rim a little bit more. Um, gets the line, you know, fling gets the line too for sure, but uh that's more of with craft and and Harris has craft too, but Harris also has athleticism, which is um- k- kind of nice it comes out in bursts, i guess I think you see it more when he's scoring, you know he gets really really good height on his jumper, so that's probably why he's such a good uh off the dribble scorer is that yeah, I mean he could elevate and and really get a good shot off and, and get a clean shot off because he can get up into the air um but yeah, I mean, he also just straight up has a 43-inch v- vertical, which uh was one of the best verticals in the draft. And you know, it's a little bit unexpected for again for the 59th pick, but um yeah, mo- the biggest thing he brings is scoring, for sure. I think, you know, you look at things like uh the pick and roll ball handler, right? That was 32% of of his uh of Harris's possessions last year. Uh, he scored nine point, uh, 0.9, uh, three points per play, which is the 87th percentile. So that's quite good. It's not Malachi Flynn good. It's not over one, which is exceptional. Um, but it's quite good. But you look at other things like isolation, for example. Uh, that was 14% of Harris's possession last season. He scored 1.07 points per Per play in isolation, which is the ninety-first percentile, he shot fifty-two percent in that range in the isolation range. And honestly, a lot of that was just mid-range jumpers, man. This guy got good footwork. He, you know, he can separate and, and get to his spots. Um, you know, coming off screens of that, he's also pretty good at that. But you know, one-on-one jab step, sidestep, uh, he he's got some moves. He really does have some moves, man. And again, he, you know, he has the system to pair with it so he can get to the rim. Oddly enough, I don't feel like he's an exceptional player at the rim. To be honest, when I when I watched him in the film, it was pretty clear that he had such a large playmaking responsibility for his team, and they needed him to score, and they needed him to create, and he did a really good job of that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if uh, he'll have that much freedom on offense uh, at the next level, but shot the three well, shot the three from deep as well from the NBA range, because, you know, that's always something that's tricky is that, You know, the NCAA line is shorter, so, you know, you need to sort of account for that. And honestly, a lot of players can't take that extra step back. I think Harris can. I think he's a decent shooter. Um, And, yeah, just a crafty player. You know, he's able to get a shot off. Like, he had to do a lot of attacking. He had to do a lot of, um, you know just he had to do a lot of work to um in, within the offense and I, I thought he did pretty well um definitely you know is best with the ball in his hands so I think a lot of people are saying he's more of a six-man kind of guy I get that for sure um but really the thing that's drawing him back is that he's it, it's it's weird because he, he's pretty good in his role but there's a good chance he won't have to play his role in the next level because Pretty much only stars play that role that he wants to play. So it's really a matter of how much can you do in terms of uh, in the secondary skills. And his secondary skills are things that might be lacking. So uh, defensively, um, you know, doesn't get into a stance quite often and gets beat. You know, there's a lot of plays of – there's a lot of clips out there of him just sort of, you know, getting shifted out of position, uh, out of balance, you know. Um, I think he has the athleticism and he has the frame to do it. I mean, it's not like he's undersized. He's six five, And, you know, as I mentioned, he's got a pretty good leaping ability, which he does have some pretty good chase down blocks if you if you watch some of those. But the more flashier parts of the defense is a lot less important than the actual tangible nuts and bolts of the defense. Um, I think Flynn is definitely a much better defender. Um, but, um, but yeah, Harris, you know, defensively, you know, I, I would say he could you would use some work there, I think. Um, and again, I think he you know, a lot of it is just you get him into the system, you get him into the Raptors. obviously they have a really high standard Nick nurse, you know, definitely wants to play defense and yeah, I mean, you know, he's gonna have to have that part down. And then the other part down weirdly enough, is that he wasn't a very good catch and shoot player. So most players are much better catching and shooting than shooting off the dribble. He was way better shooting off the dribble than he was on catch and shoots, which is quite strange. Um, so t- for comparison, he shot 43.6% off the dribble and effective field goal percentage, that's 49.1%. So a lot of those was mid range, but some threes thrown in there as well. That's good. He was 85th percentile for uh, off the dribble pl- uh, sh- jump shooting, which is fantastic. The weird thing is, on action and shoot plays, he was 34% uh, in field goal percentage with the effective field goal percentage at 48.5. Um, is just weird to me. And the weirdest thing is actually, when you look at the splits between the guarded catch-and-shoots, which are, someone's closing out to you, and they're fairly close, and they're affecting your shot, and then the unguarded catch-and-shoots, which are when you're wide open, the difference, he was actually slightly better on unguarded catch-and-shoots than guarded catch-and-shoots, but not by very much. So he shot 33.7% on guarded catch-and-shoots and and 35% on unguarded catch-and-shoots. Uh, in terms of points per play, there's it's 0.964 for a guarded as compared to 0.979, so not a huge difference whatsoever. Um, and the, the, again, the weird thing is just that he was better shooting off the dribble than he was catching and shooting, which I, I don't know what that is. Um, I don't really see that big of a difference in form. Um But, you know, I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of they don't practice that. Maybe they don't really run it as much because he's used so much as an on-the-ball scorer that uh, maybe he has less reps. But, I mean, that's something that needs to come because, you know, again, he's not going to be, immediately at least, uh, he's not going to be someone that is given the ball right off the bat and, and, you know, asked to isolate and create and be a star. He's not going to have that. So he's going to need to do the things that are more secondary, like defending, like, uh, three, like, you know, catching and shooting effectively, even things like, you know, playmaking effectively, because, you know, he's not a bad passer, you know, he he, he can pick out a pass, and he, because he's so uh, skilled offensively, he does draw a lot of extra attention, but, um, you know, kind of has tunnel vision a little bit, a little bit of tunnel vision, again, I, it's hard to separate between whether that is something that is because of his situation with his team, he needs to create a lot of uh, or if it's just, you know, tunnel vision. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that is 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 something to be watching out for in terms of trends. But, again, we're talking about the 59th pick, man. So, you know, last year's 59th pick was uh, DeJuan Hernandez. And a couple years ago, it was Xavier Thames. So, like, we can't be expecting too much from the 59th pick. So, in that front, I, I do like the pick. I, I like, you know, the ability that he has shown. Uh, and, and, you know, as a scorer, I mean, he definitely has scoring ability that is well beyond a 59th pick. I would say he might even have first-round uh, scoring ability, period. It's just sort of the other aspects of this game that needs to sort of come because, um, you know, you can't just be a scorer. Like, you just can't. Uh, you need to add a little bit more other stuff to the game, but not bad. And, again, as a primary scorer, you know, true shooting percentage, 56%, was real solid. Assist percentage, 26%, was real solid. Um, didn't turn the ball over that much, you know, had a huge usage rate of 33%, it only turned the ball over 11%, so that's great. Um, you know, you could play make a little bit more, but he can get buckets, you can get buckets. And if you can get someone out of 59, you can get buckets. That's pretty fantastic, man. So, I'm happy with both the picks. Um, interesting enough, both those guys actually played each other last season, Flynn and Harris. They played each other twice, um, on account of the fact that they're in the same conference. Uh, Flynn's team won twice, so you know maybe that's why they want, <laughs> he went above uh, Harris. But, um, yeah, I mean, the first game, if you can look up the highlights for it, uh, let's, the second game, sorry. Second game, if you can look up the highlights for it, pretty impressive, man. Malachi Flynn goes for 36 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists uh, in 40 minutes. So he played the whole game, 13 of 20 shooting, 10 of 14 from 2, 3 of 6 from 3, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Fantastic game, um, and really showed uh, you know an ability to get to the rim, pull up for three mid-range, you know set up his teammates, get to the foul line, drive slash clutch performances, the whole package uh, offensively at least for Malachi Flynn. And then honestly, Jalen Harris was not bad himself. Twenty-four points, three rebounds, five assists, a steal, eight of eighteen shooting from uh, the field, four of ten from two, four of eight from three, four of five from the free throw line in thirty-six minutes. So. You know, these guys have some history. They're both kind of similarly experienced, both guys who uh, played two years, then redshirted, and then transferred, um, and now they're on the same team. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a very interesting combo for sure. I mean, again, I don't think this necessarily suggests that the Raptors are, you know, moving on from Fred. You know, they might move on from Terrence, which has nothing to do with Terrence's ability as a basketball player, uh, but more about accountability for his off-court actions. But, um, you know, it's. I also think the Raptors genuinely took who the Raptors thought was the best available player at that time. And, you know, of course, with every draft, you can kind of look back and you can say, oh, man, they could have taken this guy, they could have taken this guy. That's fine. I I think there's definitely room for that discussion. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, I I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think you'll necessarily look back and say, you know, I... I, uh, uh, you know, we, we didn't want to, or, or this player didn't make any sense, or he's a complete bust. I don't really, really feel that way about um, some of these guys. I mean, I, I, I like their, I don't know, man. I, I I like the two players. And when you watch some, you know, when you watch um, the tape of these guys, they look real solid. So, I, I you know, in terms of what they're going to contribute immediately next season, I'm not totally sure, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I think the Raptors are quite deep at guard, so it's a little bit harder to, um, to you know, um, project immediately for some of these guys to to put, be playing. But, um, you know, they're solid. They're, they're solid players. I think Flynn is, has a really high floor. And, honestly, his ceiling is pr- probably what Fred is doing right now. I mean, you need a lot of things to, to go that way, but you have the development path right there. You know, you need to add a little bit more bulk. Uh, you need to obviously become better in the catch and shoot player. I think Flynn showed a good amount of that, but he also had the ball so much. He didn't have the ability to play off ball as much. So learning off ball, getting open, you know, Fred also expanded his range. And honestly, you know, over the course of his career, you know, Fred has only played four years, but he's really learned and adapted and grown every year. And that's something that you do like about some of these guys, right? Because if you look at, a guy like uh, Malachi Flynn, his numbers have consistently improved. You know, his first year at Washington State, you know, solid player for sure. Then, you know, going from 9.7 points to 15.8 points in a second year, then transferring, then becoming one of the best guards in the nation, maintaining his efficiency. You know, that's quite that's quite good. And, um, you know, you kind of look at the same kind of trajectory for Jalen in terms of increasing his scoring, maintaining his efficiency, taking on a bigger role. And the two of those guys are pretty accomplished, so I don't really look at the fact that they're 22 as anything negative. Again, as I mentioned, um, if you look back at Masai's draft history, he's got quite a long track record of taking guys who are older, and you know, part of that is yeah, he's probably he's always managing great teams that go to the playoffs, so they're not picking in the lottery most times unless they you know swindle the Knicks. Uh, But at the same time, you know, the Raptors have done a really good job of finding guys later in the in the in the draft, and. I don't really care that they're twenty-two. One of the actual different, uh, another thing with the if you draft a guy who's twenty-two is that you know, from an asset, you know, perspective or in terms of a financial perspective, you're looking at a situation where a guy on his second contract after his rookie contract is essentially already in the prime of his career. So, like if you look at Flynn for example, right, four-year contract for you know standard for a first-round pick. He's entering free agency restricted at the age of 26. And then if he signs, like, a four-year deal like Fred's going to do, then you're stretching it out essentially to cover all of his age 30 years. At that point, you've paid for a a first-round salary, a rookie salary, um, but a low one. And then you paid for four prime years, right? So you're not looking at a situation where if you you have a player – that develops and then they're 21 or they're 22 and they're about to sign a restricted free agent contract. And then they sign four years and then they sign another restricted deal. I think you get more value, um, financially in addition to the fact that you might just find guys who are overlooked because they are older. Um, and again, I do think that these guys are pretty solid. Um, I'm excited to see what we get from them. I also kind of excited to see just honestly who these guys are like as people. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you never know about us You never know about a guy. You really don't know about a guy. Um, of course, the Raptors have done interviews. You know, they went personally to to uh, Las Vegas and uh, then they saw Flynn. They saw his workout. They, you know, they, they called him on Zoom. Same deal with uh, Jalen. Of course, they before COVID they were watching these guys out play. It's convenient that they're playing the same conference, so you know you can you know kind of two birds one stone. Um, but it's kind of cool to see the personalities. I mean, honestly, just watching Flynn and, and you know, watching his uh, interview, um, you know, he seems real solid uh, in terms of just like real. I wouldn't say like button up, but like real like professional, almost muted in a way. Like you know, you could have never thought the based on the way he was speaking to the media that he had just become a millionaire and an NBA player, and all all his dreams came true, and his life goal came true um, based on the interview. He was very, very um, firm, you know, kind of the same way Fred talks. You know, when you hear Fred talk, Fred is a little bit more relaxed now, but just sort of about their business, the way that, you know, Flynn, you know, seemed that kind of way. And then I didn't actually, I don't think there was a player access to Jalen Harris, or at least I wasn't able to get that at least. Because uh, I was busy, but, um, you know, I, I was I was watching some of the, the YouTube tutorials that he, he he did in terms of, you know, this one where he does a film room study and he's talking to some guy about, you know, his film and, and his decision making and watching back film. Great, great, just great practice, by the way. I, I love watching these sort of things. They're a little bit dry, but they really get you in the mind of a player and also you get in the mind of that specific player to see what he sees about Um, You come off the screen here, you see this open space here, how do you attack that, you see the feet of the bigs, if you're gonna shoot, you're gonna cross over and shoot because he can't really get recover, or if you're gonna go into that space, like that. it's pretty impressive, and it's pretty, um, I mean, it's nerdy, but it's it's fun to watch for me, um, but yeah, Jalen does one of these videos, and he's, you know, seems pretty personal, seems pretty open, seems pretty smart guy, pretty articulate, so, um, I'm excited to see what these guys have. And, again, I think the best part of the NBA draft is just, you know, it's just, like, it's objectively cool to just see, like, essentially 60 lottery tickets being cashed out. Um, Because, you you know, I mean, for me, watching this draft, it was actually almost kind of fun um, and maybe more fun than a regular draft. I mean, I think I like the regular draft of, you know, the pomp and circumstance, you know, you know, uh, you know, Adam Silver comes out to the podium with his, you know, alien-looking head and, you know, announces the pick. Then the player comes up. You know, they dap each other out. They take the photos, and the player goes to get the interview, and then they, they leave and stuff like that. It's cool, but I think the setup was also quite good because you got to see a lot of these players in their most comfortable element, surrounded by family. Never mind that there were a little bit of super spreader events, whatever, but... Um, surrounded by family and, you know, seeing the emotion uh, pour out of them for some of these, so many of these players, you know, they were in, uh, you know, in tears because again, this is a lifelong dream that's been fulfilled for them, uh, was really awesome, man. And to be able to share that moment with their families over that, it's, it's, it's quite great. So actually, I really enjoy the draft the way it was, you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, post COVID, I mean, I think they'll probably bring them back to a central location in New York, like they usually do it, but, um, I enjoyed it, man. I think the NBA team did a good job. Honestly, big shout-out to ESPN's Malika Andrews, man. She had to do quite a few of these interviews on Zoom. She looked like she was in the Matrix because it was essentially a giant green screen behind her, but she did a really great job, you know. Um, So, yeah, fun draft, man. And the Raptors picked two guys who could score. So if you're looking to address your offense, which I don't think the Raptors were specifically looking to address their offense because they were taking best player available, but if you're looking to address your offense, two guys who are pretty good offensively, Flynn's pretty damn good defensively as well. And, again, it's just up to the Raptors' development program now to take these guys in, to build a program for them, and it's up to these guys to make good on that as well because Raptors are pretty much the best development team in the league, man. It doesn't really matter that you're 29 or that you're 59. You're in the NBA now. You're with the Raptors, and the Raptors have a great track record of developing, and if they can put in the work and follow and, and you know wait patiently for the opportunity and deliver when their time is called, then... They're going to be quite good players. and I, I'm expecting a lot, even though they're 29 and 59. You kind of just got to forget about that now because you look at the Raptors. Whole bunch of those guys are second round picks. Whole bunch of those guys are late first round picks. Undrafted guys. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You're in. The, you're on the team. Nice time to swim. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they got. So I mean, look, we don't have to wait too long because the Raptors will be playing. Preseason basketball quite soon. I have no idea where. I, You know, it's, as days keep tricking on, I, I feel like uh, it's less and less likely that it's going to be in Toronto, just from the logistics and all that standpoint. But uh, we're going to see them soon because they're going to be playing preseason basketball uh, within a few weeks. So I'm excited to see what they can do. I think the Raptors are holding a mini camp out in L.A. with a lot of their players. A lot of their players are already out there, um, you know. You'll see Malachi Flynn out there. You see Jalen Harris out there, and we'll see what they can do. So I'm excited for these two guys. Congratulations to these two. Um, I wish them the best of luck as Raptors. And yeah, you know, for now, you know, we're going to turn our attention to the free agency period, which to be honest, I don't think is going to be that exciting for the Raptors. I, I, you know, if I had to make a prediction, I would say probably Fred. I mean, I think Fred is going to stay. I had a really strong inclination of that regardless. Um, but I, I, it's been all the rumblings from the front office, not rumblings, just like when they've talked to us in the media and stuff like that, like, they've been pretty clear about the fact that they feel pretty strongly about Fred. They keep talking about Fred as part of the future. I I think Fred's going to stay. Um, and then, you know, you look at, um, and then, and then probably Serge, obviously Serge will have probably a little bit harder to, to bring back in terms of just like, um, other teams chasing him. You know, he's probably not getting a huge deal like Fred is, but, uh, I, I think, you know, the Raptors can pay for uh, surge a lot more than most other teams can pay surge and yeah, pay surge. If you need to move them down the line, you can do it. I'm um, I'm very much in the asset retention part. And then honestly with Mark, who knows last year ended so poorly, I could definitely see them walking away, but who knows if it was cheap enough. You know, I, I love Mark. He's part of the championship team. <laughs> Those guys are all welcome to pump. So, um, but yeah, free agency is now the concern, and you know we'll we'll see what happens. If you're looking at it from the Fred perspective, uh, the Pistons drafted Killian Hayes, so maybe that takes them off the board. Um, the Hawks, uh, they seem to be. The rumors are that they seem to be going after Rajon Rondo. Um, so you know there's something there. Uh, the Knicks still don't have a guard. They took Obi Topp. Toppin, Obi Toppin, who who kind of looks like uh, the, the slander expert aside, um, vaguely. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm it's 3 a.m. now, but, you know, I could see some similarities. Uh, but, you know, the Knicks took another power forward, so they still need a point guard. So you p- could worry about that. But, obviously, if you look at the track record of the Knicks, the Knicks have taken a CAA agent, a, cl- a client of CAA, pretty much for the head coaching job for their assistant coaching jobs, for their obviously their their president now. Um the GM and how the prospect, I mean, I th- believe he is with CAA or CAA tried to get him. So you know, I mean, knowing that Fred is not CAA, then <laughs> I don't know if um if if, if the Knicks will specifically go after him, considering they're essentially running um you know, uh, they're they're essentially a sponsored ad at this point. But um you know, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. You know, look the, I'm excited, man. I, I I think the goal of this draft was to add more talent to the team, add more long term talent, uh, add more guys who can, you know, develop and, 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 and work on their game, obviously coming in with pretty high skill. Raptors won with pretty high skill this time. They didn't really take, you know, the the Bruno types, the you know the um, You know, they have a great frame, but they don't necessarily have the skills. No, they really focus on the skills, and I'm excited to see what these guys can do. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I'll be back pretty much with daily podcasts. If something happens, I will be talking about it on the podcast. So I thank to everyone for listening. And, um, yeah, welcome to the uh, Flynn and Harris era of the Raptors. <music>